We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, what is going on Friday, November the 4th, 2022, TGIF. Hope you're all doing well. Chris Phillips here, the Daily Crow of the Spurs Up show. As you can see, we are back in the studio. Just getting situated, got in late last night. But again, really excited to be back in the friendly confines and be talking Gamecocks with you here on this Friday, this game day eve. As we get ready, as South Carolina takes on the Vanderbilt Commodores. Let's see. I see Cody Gaskins, Nicole, Travi. Uh, let's see. Wyatt, Cody, Gene Lott, Steve Warrell Jr., Brendan. Let's see. Hunter Kelly, Todd Smith, Chuck McIntosh, Justin. What's going on? Also, those in the Big Cock Club Discord in the TDC Questions channel, head over to the TDC Questions channel. Be sure your questions are answered there. Uh, John Ever, what's up, man? Talee, let there be slam. Uh, I think Rebecca's in here also, maybe. I don't know. Maybe Rebecca's in here. Courtney Washington, what's going on? Appreciate you all tuning in. We got a lot to get into, a lot to discuss. Hey, we're double dipping today, right, when it comes to the guests because of yesterday. Having to cut it short, right? We've got my good friend Jake Crane, as always, on a Friday, but also J.C. Sherbert will come up, uh, or will come on, I should say, in hour number two to discuss everything with the Gamecocks game tomorrow night in Nashville against the Vanderbilt Commodores. Guys, before we really get rolling, I want to tell you about our friends over at uh, over at Prize Picks. Sorry, my brain is scrambled eggs this morning. Um, my brain's all over the place because we're getting back in studio again. Got, got in late last night, uh, so woke up a little bit later than normal this morning. So I've been scrambling a little bit around, but uh, we are here. We're rocking and rolling. Of course, it's brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Guys, go download the Prize Picks app. Go to prizepicks.com. When you do, use that promo code TSUS to receive a 100% deposit match up to $100 with our friends over at Price Picks. And guys, so many fans and listeners of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Price Picks. You can play anything and everything, college sports, pro sports. You guys know the drill, right? At this point, it's our friends at Price Picks. Go download that Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com when you do. Use the promo code TSUS to receive 100% deposit match up to $100. Be sure to check them out and tell them that Chris from the Spurs Up Show sent you. You know, I was wondering, I was kind of like, why, why, am I, why am I a little bit out of sorts starting the show? Well, the candle's not lit, right? I always light this candle, and I forgot to do so here. Um, there we go. In case you guys don't know, I've got a, this Capricorn candle over here. 
Big candle guy. I've said that before on these airwaves. Huge candle guy. Now, now, now we're set. Now we're good. Uh, guys, we're going to have Jake Crane here shortly. He's going to do just audio today. He will be calling in. Uh, Let There Be Slam says that Heath Klein brought us up on 107.5 The Game. I, I wonder what Heath had to say, Let There Be Slam. I'd have to imagine, or I don't know. I have no idea what he would say. Um, I have no idea what he would say. But uh, that's interesting. Love to hear it. The brand spreads. The brand spreads. Cody Gaskins, massive candle guy. Massive candle guy, indeed. I love that. Love that. Uh, guys, also, let me remind you. First thing, podcast dropped this morning. Go check that out. Also, for those of you who are not in Nashville, Tennessee, which I know is a lot of you, by the way. Shout out all the Gamecocks that made the trip. But uh, for those of you, my upstate Gamecocks that did not make the road trip, we will be at Carolina Alehouse off Woodruff Road tomorrow in Greenville, South Carolina. So all my upstate Gamecocks, obviously you guys showed up and showed out over the summer at the tour. Would love to have you guys come on out to Carolina Alehouse off Woodruff Road. Kickoff, of course, is at 7.30. Yours truly, probably going to get out there about 5, 5.30. I'm probably going to watch the Georgia-Tennessee game up until halftime and then head on out to Carolina Alehouse and watch the rest of the game there. And obviously that will lead into our game with Vanderbilt. We'd love to have you guys out again. You know, it's crazy. The tour, everybody asked me, Chris, you moved to Greenville. Like you're in Clemson territory. How do you deal with the Clemson fans? And I'm like, dude, you'd be stunned. You'd be stunned how many Gamecocks there are in the upstate. I really genuinely can say this. I genuinely have not felt the, like I have not felt this major Clemson presence here. Like I just really haven't. I haven't. It, it hasn't been something where I'm like, oh, my God, like, I'm overwhelmed. And I don't know if it's because I just stay in my bubble or what have you, right? Like, I don't surround myself with Clemson people either. But uh, I think there's a lot more Gamecocks than folks give credit for. So, it's it's really, really cool stuff. And I can't wait to see you guys tomorrow, obviously. So, come on out. Carolina Alehouse, Woodruff Road, going to be one hell of a time. Uh, 10% off, by the way, when you tell them you're with TSUS. And that's all food and drink. So, if you want to come get your drink on, you can get 10% off. We could all use 10%, right? Right. Uh, let's see. Ken says, if Beamer keeps sat next year, will you still trust Beamer? I mean, what other choice do you have, Ken? I mean, I, I, I guess you could pull out the pitchforks going into year three with Shane Beamer. But, uh, no, I mean, listen, I, I, I'm behind Shane Beamer. Until he gives me a reason not to be, I'm behind Shane Beamer. So, I, I don't think that's going to happen, though, Ken. I, I, just, I just don't see any way that's going to happen. I, I really don't. Jacob Lee, I believe Braden Davis is redshirted. I do believe that's a thing. Um, I mean, I think the last game he wasn't even in pads, so I'm pretty sure he's redshirted. Uh, let's see. We got a text here. It says, don't know what you've heard, but a little inside info from some, from some big donors. Supposedly was in a text with Beamer, and it was said that Sat was gone for sure after the Clemson game. They already have his replacement in the crosshairs. Whoever it is, he's supposed to be top-shelf talent. Take it for what it's worth. I mean, guys, I, I, I'd i be stunned if Sad is back. I, I'd, I'd be absolutely stunned. Be absolutely stunned. Justin Bryant, any updates on Lloyd? I got nothing for you, my guy. I've got nothing for you. Um, Got nothing new on Marshawn Lloyd. Listen, when I, re- when I recorded the pod, I recorded it under the assumption that Marshawn Lloyd would play. Um, I, I don't know that he will. You know, when I did my key match- when I did my key matchups, I did that under the assumption he played. Let's jump. 
Hunter, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing good. What about you? I'm doing well, man. Uh, it's it's Friday, so okay. doing really well, really well. Appreciate you yeah. calling in. What's up? That's true. Get, get paid and everything. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I get I get a question. So, uh, what, what's going on with Landon Landon Stanton? Uh, I don't think I've seen him in the game at all this year. You know, it's it's just another one of those things, man, where guys are in the wide receiver room fighting for reps, and um, you know, as a true freshman, you know, I, I didn't think he'd play a ton this year. I mean, I, I told people before the season if he had. 10 to 15 catches, I would think it was a, a great first year for him. You know what I mean? So, I'm not right. surprised that he's not on the field. I mean, Hunter, it's 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 funny when people – not funny, but, you know, it's interesting when folks – and I understand why you have that question, right? You ask that question. People ask, why is Landon not touching the ball? Why is, why is Dak Joyner not touching the ball? Why is so-and-so not touching the ball? <laughs> and I kind of laugh, though, because my response is, we can't even get Jaheim Bell the ball. So what would make you think we're going to get anybody else the football? You know what I mean? Like, I just right. Jaheim Bell the ball. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a scenario that where Landon Sampson's a true freshman and there are just a lot of guys in front of him. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that's what it that's what it comes down to. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to see him, uh, I mean, at all this year, if not next year. I mean, that I would I would have – that he would be here next year because I don't I don't know if uh what's his name uh Marshawn Lloyd is like a senior or something like that so I don't think we're are we are we seeing him next year? Marshawn Lloyd isn't a senior. He is draft eligible, so he could technically jump to the draft. I mean, Landon Sampson's a true freshman, so he will a thousand percent be back. Um, I would assume yeah, he's probably yeah. using this year as a red shirt. I, I would have to imagine he's using this year. As a red shirt year, um, I'd be again surprised if he's I mean, he hasn't touched the field. I don't think so. Um, but yeah, no, Samson will be back, and we'll see what Marshawn Lloyd does. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would expect Landon Samson to have a have a have a solid career here, and hopefully, he gets an OC in here very soon that can utilize his talent to the best of best oh, of yeah, his ability. Yeah, so sure. yeah, that's that, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, why don't you just use Landon? You know, next year when we have all those good. Uh, o line recruits that we got uh, yeah. currently, and just use them and use Landon at the time. So I think that'll be a good idea. Yeah, for sure, well, man. We yeah, got. I, I have a good. We need to I find have, a way to I score. Use all those weapons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, no, I have a good feeling we're gonna upset Tennessee this year. I really do. From your lips to God's ears, my friend. From your lips to God's ears. Um, <laughs> I don't know how our offense is gonna keep up with Tennessee, but. Um. So I, yeah, I mean, hey, yeah, from I, your lips I know, to God's I know ears, they got as I the just number say. one offense in the passing <laughs> rush or something like that. Um, I think it was pass rush. They got the number one. But I don't know. I, I my sister's husband, my my sister's husband likes to talk so much shit. He's a Tennessee fan. So mm. again, Hunter, I hope you're right, but, my guy. <laughs> I hope you're right. Yeah, I'll hopefully hope you're so. right. <laughs> all right, man. That's all I needed. Hunter, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so you much. Know. Yeah, great stuff. I appreciate the call. Thinks we're going to beat Tennessee. Uh, Jimmy Mendio says, I heard the local radio talking about the Zap merch. Really? Really? The brand spreads. Um, you know, it's it's so funny, the conversation this week. You know, I, I dropped it Saturday, and then all of a sudden, Wednesday, people start, uh, you know, start causing a ruckus over it. I will, I, I, I will just say this, bro. The amount of people I had calling for the Sat merch, the Fire Sat merch, and also the amount of units that have been sold. 
and, and that's not information I disclose to the public, obviously. I, I promise you guys, by the way, at end of year, when we do our, our year in review, people will understand what we've been doing behind the scenes in regards to the merch. I, I, I promise you. But listen, I'm a man of the people. I'm a man of the people. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't want to drop the fire sap merch. Heck, I had people pestering me about it to drop it for three weeks. And it was in the and it was in, it was waiting in the wings. And I was like, I don't want to drop it. We're winning. I don't want to drop it. I'd prefer to just win out. But after Mizzou, I, who am I to not give the people what they want? Uh, all right, we're going to have my guy Jake Crane call in. Let me go ahead and shoot him the number here. Let's see. All right, cool. We're going to have Jake Crane call in. Um, going to have him on about 15, 20 minutes. He's got to be out of here at 1230, so all good. We're double dipping with the guests. We've got Jake Crane right now, J.C. Sherbert at 115, and taking your questions in the meantime. So really, really exciting stuff. Uh, let's see. Somebody says, this question after. We'll get to this question after. Six. Joining us, as he does every single Friday, my guy Jake Crane of Crane & Company. Jake, what's going on? By the way, I had a little birdie tell me you guys were flashing the Beamer Ball towels on the show. How am I just finding out about you? Say, how, how, am I, how am I just now finding out about this, my guy? <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I've been showing it mad love. I mean, I, I had it uh, in the frame when we were interviewing Jeff Foxworthy today, too. So, I mean, it's... Beauty. Uh, it's, it's definitely making its appearance. Beauty. I, I will have to go back and watch and look for sure, my guy. I, I really do appreciate that, obviously, and appreciate you taking the time. Oh, dude, we appreciate you sending it. We needed some South Carolina stuff. Yeah. Uh, still trying to get Beamer to send us that full-size helmet. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I think he might be looking for a new OC right now. I don't know if that where that is at the top of his priority list, but uh, I, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't, don't know. Yeah, don't send us Marcus. Don't, don't send us Marcus. <laughs> don't send we'll just send it right back. Yeah. <laughs> for sure uh jake again man i want to say thank you so much appreciate you taking the time and uh listen i'm, I'm here to eat crow man you, you, I, I know you and i have both seen uh what is it is it is it in billy madison when he says you know I, i'm stupid you're smart you were right i was wrong you know i'm ugly you're very attractive right that, that's how i feel today right when we talk about this south kind of football team and the deficiencies they have right now and you come off that game against mizzou um, I, you know, I, I don't know, Jake, that I don't think I took Missouri lightly per se. And I know you also believe, you know, I, I believe you picked the, uh, the Gamecocks win, but I, I don't think I took Mizzou lightly, but I think I took for granted how poorly South Carolina would look if they didn't dominate the special teams and defensive facets of the game. And if the game was simply put, put all on South Carolina offensively, how poorly they would look. Um, just talk about that game, man, what you saw. I mean, obviously the story of the game is the offense. I know defensively you had your issues at times. Special teams was fine, I thought. I mean, there, there weren't those big plays. But it came back to if South Carolina had to go win a game mano-a-mano offensively, that, 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 that was their undoing. That was their kryptonite. What you saw in that loss to Missouri uh, last weekend. Yeah, you know, I actually picked South Carolina as my worst over the weekend last weekend because uh, they, they caught a bunch of breaks this season. You go play Kentucky without Will Levis. You go play A&M with, with 
uh, Haynes King, who we all know uh, is, is pretty dysfunctional when it comes down to it and operating an offense that's really deadly. Uh, and and you, you score 17 points in the first, seems like, five minutes of the game, uh, and you were able to survive that one, which you still earned those wins. It's not saying Sacramento didn't win that, but then you get gifted those, and how do you repay that gift? You come out against Missouri, and it looked to me like South Carolina didn't have that edge. It shocked me because if you go and watch the tape of these other wins, it's not like South Carolina is just lining up and dominating people or that there's some juggernaut offensively. They know they have to go play clean, but they were playing team ball. They were giving unbelievable effort. I'm not saying they didn't want to win. I'm not saying that, that they didn't prepare to win. They didn't go out there and play like they're a team that has to play really well to win a game like this. They went out there like they'd won a couple games. Everybody's telling them how good they are, and oh my goodness, you guys are 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 six and two, five and two, whatever it is. It's another unbelievable year, and they thought they could roll their helmet out there against Missouri. That's the part that would upset me the most if I was a South Carolina fan. You thought you were an eight, but you were a six. Now that doesn't mean a six can't look good. You just have to spend some more time putting on some makeup. Maybe you got to take the shoulder pads out of that dress. You know what I'm saying? That maybe maybe you don't eat for a couple of days before you go out. I don't know. Uh, but to me, it was shocking to watch South Carolina go out there and think they were going to big dog Missouri. Uh, Let's be honest. <laughs> I'm, I'm dying, bro. You, Jake, you you about to get canceled off the internet, my guy. <laughs> I love I know, off the internet because I, you think- no, I know I know you don't give a damn, which is why I love you and I bring you on this show. You're, you're just like me. You really don't give a shit. Well, well, and that's not saying that no. South Carolina. I'm not saying that South Carolina is, is a bad place for a bad football team. This team right, right. here went out and played like you like like they were like they were somebody that could just go out there and show up and go yeah. through the motions and run base things and be good enough to beat Missouri instead of the team that we saw going out there against A&M, yeah. all excited to start out, making big plays on special teams, guys flying around offensively, playing uh, in the linebackers' laps and, and having to go out there and fight for every yard. I was just very disappointed, and I think South Carolina fans would agree with me mm-hmm. uh, that they didn't come out not more focused and with more fight. That's what surprised me the most, especially at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Jake, to, to your point, I don't know if you saw the – the quote that I posted from Zach Pickens, Gamecocks defensive lineman, and folks wanted to come at me for giving my thoughts and opinions on it because I'm going to paraphrase, but he said, you know, we, we felt like, you know, he felt like they relaxed a little bit and felt like we arrived at five and two. And, you know, I just made yeah. the point that was such a disappointing comment, you know, and, and like for to point to that as why you didn't play your best is so disappointing in my mind. Like to think that you've, "Quote unquote," arrived at five and two is is just it's such a joke. It's such a joke, and I, I know it's well, college. You're like, Chris, yeah, you're like you're like how can how can you watch that film and think, oh my goodness, we're a top ten team, right? Like, like you you know what happened. I know right. what happened. You caught, right. you went up there and played clean against Kentucky, and they didn't have their quarterback. You know what? You still won the game, but to me, you kind of sit in the face of all the breaks you've caught by going out there against Missouri and laying a huge – you can yeah. control effort. You can control focus. Yeah. Like some things you can't control. Sometimes there's a holding. Sometimes you may jump off sides. Sometimes when you're trying to make the tackle, you'll grab a face mask. I can go to sleep at night 
fine with that. But uh, you can't go to sleep with showing up and, and thinking you're just going to roll your helmet out there and win. And like I said, this year, from a personnel standpoint, South Carolina's a six. That's all. Say we're an eight. And sometimes you got to just you, you got to go out there and realize you're a six. Sometimes you got to realize you're a six and just work on your personality in the meantime, right? You 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 can't play well, with the eight. You can <laughs> look, look, look. That doesn't mean you're not funny, right, or you right. don't love sports, right. you know, or or something like that. It's not, and that's the roster right now. We all know what Shane's doing in recruiting. It did like, like I keep saying. This is going to be his worst team from a personnel standpoint that he has at South Carolina outside of the first year. So it's going to get better, but that was the part that surprised me the most. And like I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure Gamecock fans agree with me. Jake, it's kind of like that TikTok trend where it's like he's an he's a 10, but – and then it presents some scenario. It's like with the That's Gamecock. That's exactly he, right. He's a 10, but Marcus Satterfield's the offensive coordinator. It's like, well, he's a one now. So, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You know what I mean? He's like, yeah, depending on the week. All pass when the guy's like got his hands up. Yeah. You remember when they're like in the in the bar and he's like, oh my gosh, that, that, that girl looks so good. And then he changes his hands and you realize she looks totally different. It's yeah. like that. <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. I, you know, I, I it's very easy for us as Gamecocks to sit here. We're so close to the situation. And I, and I think fans of teams right i think the closer you get to it obviously the more the more personal it gets and nobody is harder on a football team than that own team's fans right I, i've said that for a while that um you know i think from the national perspective th those folks are much more understanding of what shane beamer inherited and giving him time and what he's building and the closer you get to it obviously like it's almost like with your family right like you're going to be tougher on your kids or tougher on your siblings or tougher on your parents or whatever then you, you'd ever allow any yeah, outsider to be care. right, right, because right, because you care, you care more than yeah, because you care more than more than anybody else. But when you, a national guy, look at the South Carolina offense and you look at Spencer Rattler and you look at the dysfunction and you look at Jaheim Bell not even getting a target against Mizzou, do you feel like Gamecock fans calling for Marcus Satterfield's job is an overreaction, the right reaction? I mean, your overall thoughts on this offense and, and just the the direction they're going on that side of the ball. Uh, you know, I, I, I understand the frustration. Uh, and, it, look, it, it always comes back on the coaches. I was a coach for a long time, and, and I never wanted to make it uh, about the players. Mm -hmm. uh, it, was, it, was, it was about the coaches. So I totally understand uh, people being upset at Marcus Satterfield. You know, Marcus Satterfield, from a play calling standpoint, it's kind of been like this team is all year. I, I mean, it's from one end of the spectrum to the other. You know, one week you're like, okay, that this guy really gets it. He's doing a good job of, of playing smart, uh, not asking Spencer to do too much with the personnel that he has around him. Uh, but then you see a game like Missouri uh, where, where you kind of question why the emphasis on the offense is where it is. Now, look, Spencer Rattler has some fault to do with this too. All right? He's not, I don't think he's performing up to even the level, Chris, that I thought he was. Uh, was going to, and you know me, yeah. I'm a Spencer Rattler critic when everybody was like, oh, he's the second best quarterback in the SEC. Uh, and and I, you know, I, was, I was very questionable about that. Still, I'm very questionable about that. And the thing is, at the end of the day, uh, and, and it'll always be this way, it comes down to personnel. There's been a lot of stupid play callers that look genius because they had better players, and there's been a lot of really smart play callers that look like idiots because they didn't have good enough players. Marcus Satterfield right now is somewhere in the middle of that. Uh, I, I don't think if they end up going 
you know, six and six, that they fire them, I think there'd be a lot of heat. Uh, but if they go anything less than that, I think you may see South Carolina make a move going <clears throat> forward. And, you know, I, and I'll tell you this, Jake, uh, you know, I agree with you to an extent because I, I, I'm someone that, listen, I'll, I'll call it for what it is if I don't think the personnel is very good. Now, I, I left Mizzou. Here's where I'm at, Jake. I, I left Mizzou not wanting Marcus Satterfield replaced because I feel like South Carolina should be Tennessee right now not or because I feel like they should be scoring 40 a game. I, I left that game, and I feel like a change is needed because I just feel like South Carolina is better than what I've seen offensively. I, I, I just – and I think with the style he wants to implement and run, the pro style, I mean, he's said it adamantly, 12, 13 personnel, run for 275. I, I, I just don't know at South Carolina you can live that way, Jake. I don't think you can make a living trying to run yeah. that type of – like, you need to be creative, right? You're not – you like, you are not going to out-recruit Georgia, Alabama, Clemson right now. Like, you're not going to do it. I relate it to the conversation in Moneyball. We are card counters at the blackjack table. If we try to beat the Yankees in here, yeah. we will lose to the Yankees out there. Like, that's how I look at Carolina football. If we try to beat Georgia and Alabama and the top teams at their own game, we will get beat where it counts, which is on the field. You have to think outside of the box and be creative. And, I mean, this offense is literally the polar opposite of being creative and thinking outside of the box. <laughs> No, look, I, I, I'm with you on that. Uh, I think a lot of schools need to take that advice, uh, especially in the Southeastern Conference right now. It's, it comes down to how you recruit up front. We all know that. You want to know the best teams? The ones that are able to move the ball on the ground on the front, uh, up front and people that are able to stop the run, people that are able to rush the passer and people that are able to protect the passer. If I can go ahead and tell you this, and Chris, I know you know this, there's a whole hell of a lot more wide receivers and DBs and linebackers running around out there than there are offensive linemen and defensive linemen that can operate at the level that you have to for a, for an identity like that for South Carolina. I don't think you're going to get up there and mush people. Now, does that mean I think you have to run the air raid? No. Does that mean I think you have to run what Tennessee does at NASCAR speed? No. What I think it means is you need to be creative. You need to be versatile. But at the end of the day, you need to be able to play to the strengths of the players that you have. And if you're trying to build an identity of huge and road grader and let's get in 13 personnel and run for 275 yards, it's not super attractive to players nowadays. And you're not Georgia and you're not Bama. You're not Ohio State. How many teams out there can legitimately line up the ball and run it down your throat? And I'm not talking about triple option teams. So, yeah, I think South Carolina – uh, needs to go in a direction where there is creativity, where you are spreading the field, where you can be good out of 10 personnel, and where you're able to pitch backwards if you have to. What do I mean by that? Throw to run. So I, I disagree with Marcus Satterfield. I think me and you are really on the same page with that. And you can still be physical, Chris. You can still be physical. Indeed. Jake, I, you know, it's, it's funny in, in content. I know you know this that there are moments that you get questions or you hear certain quotes and you kind of know, right? Like that's a clip or that, that that's golden right there. That's going to, that's going to, you know, that, that, that's going to, uh, to do well, what have you, you know what I mean? You, you understand what I'm saying in content. So I'm going to throw you an alley-oop here because I know you've been someone, listen, you've been as critical and I, I would just say honest, maybe critical is even too harsh of a word, but you've been as honest as anyone about Spencer Rattler, his shortcomings, the way he's played this season. So I'm going to throw you an alley-oop, Jake, and I'm going to let you run with it. I'm going to let you slam dunk it, if you will. At what point does, should the Gamecocks consider benching Spencer Rattler? 
Uh, you know, again, it, it comes down to the personnel that you have right now. That doesn't mean that you can never bench him. That doesn't mean that, that you never bench him that, to send a message. But if he continues to turn the ball over and put the ball in harm's way and trying to force the action, then at some point you have to take him out because it becomes not saying that Spencer is selfish, but it becomes a selfish action to put him out there. Mm-hmm. If, if you feel like he continues to try and turn plays into things that they cannot or make throws that he should not or a throw that may, you may make two out of ten times but it's not worth it, then you make the move. Once he becomes more detrimental to what you are trying to accomplish uh, than, than what he gives you, then you have to make that move. Mm-hmm. And while Spencer, there are some plays, and, and this is who Spencer Rattler is. This is who he's always been. This is what I said when he came over here from Oklahoma. If you think he's going to leave a place where you had a bunch of Ferraris in the garage and an offensive system that Lincoln Riley runs compared to the one that Marcus Satterfield is running and you thought he was going to win the Heisman, he's not that dude. I'm just saying he's not. He's got good arm talent. He still stares at the rush, but he thinks he's Superman and or he thinks he's Batman and he's really Robin. And to be Robin, you have to know your role, and he still has not adjusted to being Robin. Jake, I know you got to get out of here, my guy. Last thing, though, uh, South Carolina Vandy. You know, we, we, the, the spread open, Gamecocks minus 7.5. That has come down as we sit here today. South Carolina is a 6.5-point favorite in this one, total at 48.5. But that spread is what I look at, 6.5. Is it an overreaction? You look at Vanderbilt, right? They've played some tough teams. The stats are ugly, but they've played the likes of Georgia, Alabama, Ole Miss. If you have played Mizzou really tough, you could argue they should have beat them. Is it an overreaction to South Carolina's poor showing against Mizzou, or do you really feel like Vanderbilt has a chance to pull the upset and beat the Gamecocks for the first time in 14 years? Well, if South Carolina continues to make the same mistakes, or or if they, in in which I don't think they will, but – are uh, they just show up and think that, hey, it's Vanderbilt, we just got to make sure the bus gets there on time and we'll be fine, then there's a chance that Vandy can win it. I think, I think that the reason that spread is like that is because Vandy knows this is one of the – probably the most winnable game that they have left, mm-hmm. honestly, yeah. in the SEC. Yeah. This is their best chance to get that SEC win. So I think this is their Super Bowl and it's at home. So I, I think that's why you see the spread where it is. If South Carolina goes in there and operates the way that they should, if they emphasize who they should emphasize offensively, if defensively they get off the ball like they had been coming into the Missouri game uh, until they made Brady Cook look like Dalvin Cook, uh, <laughs> I, I think that South Carolina wins. But if they if they go out there and they're looking ahead, and which, again, they shouldn't be. This win gets you to bowl eligibility. They should be fine. But I don't think it's an overreaction. I, I, I really don't. I think South Carolina wins. Uh, I would take it. I would bite it to seven and a half. I, I, uh, if, if I, I'm Vanderbilt at plus seven and a half, though, because uh, I think it could be by a touchdown or less. Great stuff as always, Jake. Hey, last thing, Georgia or Tennessee, who do you like in that ballgame? I like Georgia to win, but Tennessee to cover. Uh, this game's about Georgia's run game versus Tennessee's defense, because if you can run the ball, you can limit possessions, which means you can make Tennessee play at your pace which is their kryptonite. Uh, so I think it should be a hell of a game. Uh, like I said, man, Hendon's the most dangerous hooker since Eileen Warnos. So we're, we're going to see. 
<laughs> I love it, Jake. Jake Crane of Crane and Company. Y'all check him out. Jake, appreciate you taking the time as always, my friend. Thank you so much. Chris, it's always fun, buddy. Appreciate you. Yeah, man. Take care. God, Jake Crane, what a <laughs> – dude just keeps me rolling, keeps me rolling. And, I, and I'll tell you this to his final point. So he's on Vanderbilt plus seven and a half, thinks it's a close ball game. Um, you know, I'm on the minus six and a half, so we'll see. I will tell you this, though, speaking on Tennessee, Georgia, I, I don't know if Tennessee wins, but if you got Tennessee plus 11, you are literally stealing money from your bookie. You're literally stealing money. So take it for what it's worth. Uh, anyways, guys, hey, phone lines, let's open them back up. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That's 843-790-3377. Okay, phone lines are open. Somebody text in, opinion on Luke Doty. Should he get a chance to move the ball? Do you think Rattler can have the same tempo he had in 2020 once he finds his rhythm? I mean, is, is Rattler going to return to 2020 form? I, l- listen, guys, I, I, I'll say this, and I, I don't say this is a means to kill any hope or hype or anything. Like, I, I just, until I see otherwise, I think this Gamecocks football team is what it is. Right? I, I, I picked a 26-13 to 13 win. I'm, I'm picking a very ugly game. I think it's an ugly game. What's going on, my man? How are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing well, man. Appreciate you asking. What's up? You know, I already know it already had happened on Saturday. I already knew it was coming. Missouri had beat our ass, and Marcus Satterfield is about to fire, about to get fired. So I saw the tweet. It was coming like crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the firing can come soon enough for most all of us. So, well, you know, I already made that wish probably like last year. Yeah, but. It's probably going to come soon, but I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow against Vanderbilt. Yeah, see how they're going to yeah. come out. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's it's. Let me say this: it, it is it, it's so intriguing to spread six and a half. By the way, I I, I just I, you know, <laughs> you know, I I I feel confident. I don't feel as confident as I would like. I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. I I woke up here on this Friday. And I picked twenty six to thirteen, and I think that's what's going to happen. But I tell you, I, 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 you know, I don't know how many Vanderbilt fans exist out there. I know at least of, of a couple because I'm going on the door report tomorrow at uh, eleven a.m. Eastern on the Twitter Spaces to talk about the game. So I know those guys they cover or not they cover Vandy football as adamantly as we follow Incox football. But I, you know, I, I would say this that I I think if you're Vanderbilt, I mean, this is your best shot to you're getting the Gamecocks. I think at a great time. I mean, you really are if you're Vandy. Um, you know, the, the the fan base is in disarray. This football team's in a bit of disarray. I do think though that South Carolina has shown or Shane Beamer they respond to adversity the right way more often than right. not. Um, and so I, I do expect that again. But I, I tell you, man, I I just. I don't know. I, I will be very curious and intrigued to see how this offense responds to all of the criticism this week. Does that frustration creep in if things don't start out the way they should? If you're at 100 yards of offense uh, at halftime, right? Like, do we see a change at quarterback? Like, like what happens? I, I just – I think it is it is such an intriguing ball game. I think that if you look at just talent alone and on paper, the Gamecocks are more talented, but – 
you know, it's not just played on paper, right? You've got all these swirling things and all these issues. And I don't know, man. I, right. I, I don't know. I'm, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm confident, but I'm cautiously optimistic and I can't even lie to you. You know, I am a little nervous. I, I'm, a, I'm a little nervous. I, I am. I am. Because, hey, here's the other thing. Right. I said it before. I'll say it again. At some point, Vandy's going to beat Carolina. It, it, the streak will not live forever. I'm not saying it's this right. year. I hope it's not this year. But that's going to happen. So, right. you know, we, we shall see. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I don't right. know, interesting situation to be in. After I left the stadium last week, it was like it was getting worse to the point that the defense, tackle had to really pick up for the offense so many times it's like where are y'all's turns gonna come up yeah I mean I I, I will say this like I, I just if we if we I think you will see a return to I think we will attack with a tenacity similar to what we had against Kentucky Texas A&M um, and if we do I think we'll be fine but it, it, it just you know it, it concerns you right if we've got to go mano mano with our offense against their offense and I don't think their offense is all that great, right? For sure, but uh, sure. you know, if you don't if you don't get those plays in special teams and defense, I mean, I think it's going to be a fight. I, I just don't think your offense is good enough to pull away from anybody. And listen, my twenty six to thirteen score is taking into account a turnover, or maybe a special teams play, something like that. Because I, I just don't think you know offensively. I mean, again, I, I think it's going to be kind of an ugly, sloppy game. It's going to be a a frustrating game, and it's why I posted the clip this morning that I think no. And this is what's frustrating, right? Because right. no matter what happens tomorrow night, we're going to be frustrated. Because it's it's just it's just not going to be a flashy, sexy thing. That's not who this team right. is. This team is who it is. And so I really think, as a South Carolina fan, you've got to go in tomorrow and go into tomorrow night with very low expectations. And I'm sorry, I hate to say that, but like, just go into tomorrow night. And just be happy to get a W. If we get a W and we're six and three, hey, you know what? Dub's a dub's a dub, and I'm gonna smoke the Vandy pack, and I'm not gonna apologize for it. Right, right. Because I, as I've said before, life life's too short to not celebrate the victories and enjoy them, and and we'll, we'll be miserable after the losses. Right. That's a guarantee. So you know what? If we if we find a way to beat the Commodores tomorrow night, I, you know, I, I'll be as as giddy as ever. Because because I know it's. Just- change need to happen i know it's the fear of change as you said it needs to happen it needs to move some furniture around mm-hmm. just put in some different space so we can just get this over with because this is going on for a long time it felt like a decade yeah to be honest yeah. but tomorrow i i'm gonna keep my head up high on this one because i'm gonna stay positive on this one because after what happened last week was a disaster and I might be looking at the Georgia and Tennessee game tomorrow because Tennessee already on the top 25 football rankings already. So I'm like, they are already on top mm-hmm. in Georgia as well. And the interesting part I heard, Clemson and Tennessee playing on New Year's Eve. That's crazy. Very crazy. You talking, you're talking bowl projections, is that right? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I you know, we'll, we'll see, man. There's a long way to go. But, uh, yeah, listen, I mean, it, it's being a Gamecock fan, not for the faint of heart, man. We're struggling. Our rivals are thriving. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're living right. in – Right, and we're, I know – You know, we're, we're living in the, in the trailer park, and right across the street from us is Clemson, Georgia, and 
and Tennessee living in the Taj Mahals, and we just got to right. watch it. So I, I, I don't know what else to tell right. you. It, it just it is what it is. And I have the faith. We know we are better than that. I know we are. Besides, like, markets keep letting it happen. Like, oh, let me just make it worse for the off the offline schools and let the defense just take up all, all, the, all the time, mm -hmm. which is ridiculous. This is getting out of hand. Yeah. Very ridiculous. For sure. For sure. Well, my man, I appreciate the call. We're going to jump into a quick break, but uh... – Always a pleasure chatting yes, with you. Thank you. Yeah, man. Have a good day, Chris. You too. Take care. Appreciate it. Go Cox. Thank you so much for the call, my man. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. Last question. Where did you get that hat? Big Cock Club hat. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Big Cock Club, my guy. You can join today and you can get this hat. Patreon.com slash Big Cock Club. Uh, Billy Thompson says, weird how the viewers are down after a loss. I mean, Billy, it happens. It happens. You know, it's funny that people, I dropped the fire sat shirt and the fire sat stuff, and people are like, oh, he, he loves doing this, right? He, he, he doesn't thrive unless he's calling for a head coach's job. Guys, let, 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 me, let me give you some perspective. I've never sold more merchandise and made more money from merch in such a short amount of time than we did after the win over Texas A&M. So I promise you, winning is great for business. Winning is fantastic for business. Don't get it twisted. I want us to win every game by 50 points. Um, guys, we are going to jump into a quick break, but on the other side, I want to continue to hear from you more of your questions, comments, calls, and more. You're tuned in to The Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. That is 843-790-3377. Want to hear from you again. I want to say thank you to Jake Crane for taking the time to chat here on this Friday. In case you missed it, of course, podcast dropped this morning, episode 723. I've got the Gamecocks getting the win 26 to 13 in this ballgame. I've got South Carolina finding a way, covering the six and a half. Um, you know, in a game that, you know, I, I think it'll be a Gamecock takeover. I mean, the good news for South Carolina is this, you know, normally jump to the phone lines, but road game at not as not intimidating. Justin, what's up, man? How are you? Doing good. How you doing, Chris? I am doing well. Appreciate you asking. What's going on? Hey, Chris, I got, hey, Chris, um, listen, I'm not a big fan of Mark Stanfield, you know, because look, both these guys are just. Look, Chris, Buffett got the whole boy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, oh, man, I, I tell you, it's, it's something. Um, has Marcus Satterfield just, just literally removed any and all joy from Gamecock fans' lives watching their favorite team? I mean, is, is there any, I, I just, <laughs> the mood of this fan base is so, the morale is just so low. I, I I don't know. I mean, this is this is as low as I've seen the morale in quite a while. I, I don't know. It's it's just crazy, man. It's crazy. So yeah, I mean, listen. Um, like I said, if the Gamecocks get a win, I'm not going to throw a parade for beating Vandy. But you know what? Going to a bowl game still a big deal. Uh, I think that's one of the underlying storylines in this ball game is that South Carolina has a chance to punch their ticket to bowl eligibility. And you know what? The bottom line is this. The bottom line is this. 
that going to a bowl game is still a big deal at the University of South Carolina. If you want to roll your eyes, scoff, hey, you can do that. doesn't change the fact. This program over the course of its 100-plus year history ain't been to a ton of bowl games, and they've won even fewer. So you get the win tomorrow night. You know what? It's still a big deal to go to a bowl game at the University of South Carolina to get the six wins, to get to the postseason. And in year two of Shane Beamer, I think it's still a minor victory as you continue to build the program upward and onward. So let's not take for granted what it would mean to get that six win, especially when you look at the season, all things considered, hey, you beat Vanderbilt tomorrow night and you're six and three, count your lucky stars because this season could have gone sideways a number of times to this point. So we get that win tomorrow night. Again, I'm not going to throw a parade for beating Vandy or a parade for being six and three, but all things considered, I will be happy where we sit at this point in the season. Yeah, me too, Chris. Hey, Chris, we get the six win tomorrow. Listen, I, listen. Look, I'd be happy to get this way, but nobody's not throw up away, right, Chris? Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Hey, Chris, um, what about Gene Kitchen, man? I mean, you see no Cal fans don't like him neither, you know that? How about how about who? Who'd you say? Gene Kitchen, the deepest quarter for no Cal. Nope. I talked to a no Cal fan yesterday, Chris. He don't like Gene Kitchen as a DC. I mean, yeah, I think Gene Chiswick is I mean I, that that entire how long is how long is uh is uh, Matt Brown going to be there? You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a Gene Chizik at D.C. guy. I mean, I, I don't follow a lot of UNC football, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Chris, you look at office today. Look at Coastal Carolina. Why do they put different numbers every week? Coastal Carolina offense? What's your question about, about the, just their offensive production? Yeah, they always try some new plays. It works very well, you know. I mean, I, I listen, I didn't get to watch any of the Coastal Carolina game last night. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I know a lot of folks are reaching out. Why can't we do what Coastal's doing? Why can't we do what they're doing on offense? I, Justin, you have questions I don't have answers to, my guy. I, I, I really don't. So. Yeah. Hey, Chris. Oh, yeah. Hey, Chris, how I go, man? Um, I, look, I'm picking Georgia to win the game, you know, because it's the same back there. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have two success. And, look, because I know soccer fans don't want to hear it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I, I pick, I'm picking Tennessee to cover, no doubt. I mean, Tennessee is that sexy pick because of the way they've looked this season. Um, I, I would probably go Georgia. <clears throat> Gun to head, I would go Georgia. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd probably go Georgia to win the ball game. Yeah, I go with them too, Chris. The thing about Georgia, if you're a South Carolina, you want Georgia to go to see it, right, Chris? I, do I want Georgia to go undefeated? I'd rather Georgia sink into a sink into oblivion and don't exist anymore. But I think they are going to go undefeated. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's. Listen, I'm I, I know Gamecock fans. It's like the worst case scenario because because Rocky Top's undefeated. Georgia's undefeated. I, I'm just excited to watch a good ball game. Who went? You know, whoever wins, does it really matter to me? I guess you'd rather Georgia win because the last thing we want to see is Tennessee get real momentum and. And, and get up there and uh but i don't know i mean it's, it, it feels like 98 i guess I don't, I don't know it feels like 98 for tennessee fans so it, it, this might be their year they might be the 2019 lsu reincarnated um <clears throat> so i don't know man i you know i i think tennessee though if you got tennessee plus 11 i mean again you're just literally you're just literally stealing money i mean you really are so oh yeah and chris say about this is 
Look, again, and Chris, that's not a lot of pressure. Should be if he wants to be well. Josh, how big the second year? They do something we should we, we're not doing right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that frustrates a lot of Gamecocks too. Is that Heifel and Beamer took over at the same time, and you know, and it's much different results. I mean, especially on the offensive side, that's the biggest difference. That's the biggest difference. So, I I, I don't know, man. I, I mean, it's I I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have a good answer for you. I, I really don't. Uh, because I would ask the question, I mean, do you do you feel like Tennessee's personnel was just light years ahead of Carolina's when Josh Heifel got there? I don't think most people think that it was. You know, I, I don't think that most people think that Tennessee was <clears throat> was that far ahead of South Carolina when it comes to personnel. And, I mean, they're light years ahead of Carolina now, and I think that'll show in a couple weeks. I, I, I think Tennessee probably wins that game by three touchdowns. Uh, but, you know, we got time before that one. Who knows? College football's crazy. Um, so, we'll see. Oh, yeah. We have to see what's going to happen, you know. And, Chris, I hope Shelby will do something. I want Shelby to be here for a long time. But the thing about it is, do you go get an OC that you, you, you're familiar with? Who, who who you got in mind we don't know about, you know, Chris? Who do I have in mind for OC? I, I Dude, I haven't even started to look yeah. at a list or anything or, or, or make a list or, um, you know, I, I, I haven't even, you know, I haven't, so. Yeah, I agree, Chris. And think about this, you got to wait to see who Shimmy Biggs is. Does he know somebody in the ACL big term? We don't know, huh, Chris? We we don't know, Justin. We don't know. Yep. Wait, Chris. That's all I say, man. Justin, I appreciate the call, my guy. Always a pleasure chatting with you. Right. Take care, my brother. Go again, Cox. Go Cox. Take care, brother. Great to talk with you. Uh again, guys, eight four three seven nine zero three three seven seven. That's eight four three. Seven nine zero three three seven seven. Let's see. Anyways, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. We're gonna at one fifteen. Here we go. Tom, what's up, man? How are you? Hey, I, I have a little hypothetical for you. Little question. Yeah, what's going on? If if Tennessee were to beat Georgia this mm-hmm. week, and let's say Tennessee and Bama, hypothetically, you know, facing the SEC championship, and let's say Bama beat Tennessee, and Georgia has one loss, Tennessee has one loss, Bama has one loss, do you think there's any chance that the college football committee will put three SEC teams in the playoffs? Well, I think they should. Do I think yeah, there's a I chance? Agree. Yes. I think they should. Yeah. I, I think there's a chance. Yes. Yes, I think so. Absolutely. Well, I mean, if TCU loses the game and then Clemson loses the game, you got a one loss Clemson and TCU, one loss Georgia, if, if one loss Georgia, one loss Bama. If Clemson loses a game, they should be out. No question. No yeah. question. Sorry, your 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 margin for error should be smaller because of who you play. There's no doubt. There is no doubt. I mean, I got people that want to argue yeah, that yeah. an undefeated Clemson shouldn't get in because of. They don't play anybody. Now, I, I don't think you can do that. I, I don't think you can do that. No, I don't. But, um, yeah, I agree. I mean, and if, if Tennessee loses close to Bama, if they even lose close to Georgia, how do you leave Tennessee out? I, I mean, I, I just – how yeah. do you leave Tennessee out? The best offense in the country. Probably the Heisman Trophy winner in Hendon Hooker. How do you leave them out? Yeah, and, and I was going to say – I just don't agree with leaving a team out just because they're in the SEC. You know what I mean? Oh, we already have too many SEC teams in. We can't put you in. You know what I mean? Like, you, I want to see the best four teams out there, regardless of what conference. Right. 
or any of that. Because I think if TCU loses and Clemson loses, that leaves the door open for a lot of possibilities. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. I, I mean, listen, I, I, if, if Clemson loses again, they're out. If, if they lose, they're out. And, and, you know, hopefully Notre Dame is the team to do it. Uh, but if Clemson loses, they're out, man. I, I just – I don't see – no, I don't see any way. So you, think, so, you think there's a chance we could see three SEC teams in the playoffs? I mean, I think it's a chance. I think it's probably slim. Um, I tell you what, though, this, this, this year is going to strengthen the argument around we need – the expanded playoff. I mean, there's just no doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, you're going to – I mean, I think you're going to end up leaving Bama, Tennessee, or Georgia out, which is, is criminal if they all have, mm-hmm. you know, one or one loss or something. So, yeah. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Well, I was wanting to get your opinion on that. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. I appreciate the call. Thanks so much. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, again, guys, eight four three seven nine zero three three seven seven. That's eight four three seven nine zero three three seven seven. Travi says you leave them out if they can't beat Georgia and they don't make the SEC title game. That's how. I would ask you this then, Travi: Does Georgia still get in? Would you leave Georgia out? I mean, I you know, we'll see. I mean, let me ask you this, Travi: Let's say Tennessee loses by a field goal, or Georgia loses by a field goal, and they don't make the SEC title game, but they win all their other games. I mean, they've got a compelling argument. You can't say they don't, right? You can't say they don't have a compelling argument. So. Anyways, um, how about this? SEC Mike. I want to hear what he's got to say. I don't know if y'all can hear that or not. So, Cousin Shane is picking Vanderbilt to beat South Carolina 24 to 20. Boy, I I I just I just don't even want to like if that happens if that happens your guy is going to be you know, and I was listening to a content creator talk about this how he's posting ghost, right? You know, a lot of people on Twitter, they love to interact and engage and I love to engage, guys. But this will be our channel to do so because you know what? Win or loss, come hell or high water, I will be here next week. I know I've joked with I'm going to need a week off. No, we're going to be here. But this will be our channel of interaction because I can tell you what I'm not going to do. If we lose to Vandy, I'm not going to be hanging out, you know, with, with, with the scum of Twitter. And I don't mean to, you know, label everyone as that. But I'm just – I'm not going to hang out in the madness of Twitter and be going back and forth. Um I will be posting ghosts, no doubt. Just post and get out of there and, and and let people go, you know, raise hell. And because if we lose to Vandy, social media will be a nightmare. I mean, this fan base will officially hit the fan. Officially hit the fan. I, I mean, it, it will be it will be hell. It will be hell. I mean, there's just no doubt it'll be hell. So I don't think that's gonna happen. But cousin Shane of that SEC podcast is picking Vanderbilt to win. 24 to 20, and I think he's actually the first person I've seen that has actually gone on record and picked the Gamecocks to lose. So, uh, again, guys, I'm locked in. South Carolina 26, Vandy 13. I I do believe this team will bounce back in the right way. You know, I think if this football team – I think if this football team, you know, plays with the right tenacity and and plays with that swagger and that edge they had against Texas A&M, Kentucky, that confidence, if you will, if they don't 
feel like they've arrived at five and three and don't feel like that they're going to be relaxed in this one. I think if we play with that tenacity, I, I think no doubt South Carolina should win. I, I mean, it, it will be – I don't even want to fathom it. I, I just – I don't even want to fathom it if if the Gamecocks drop this ball game. But, but I, I tell you, it's a scary situation to be in. It, it really is because I can see why Vanderbilt would be the sexy pick. I, I can because here's the reality, guys. <clears throat> I am picking 26 to 13 Gamecocks. That is under the assumption that South Carolina is going to return to playing back with a with a fierce tenacity, right? With a fierce get after it, if you will, the way they played against Kentucky and A and M. And I know you look at the numbers. And- Let's jump to the phone lines. Robbie, what's going on, my guy? How are you? Yeah, I didn't have a brain fart this time. I actually did it this time. I love it, my guy. I'm doing fantastic. I I am doing fantastic. Just got my lunch out of the oven. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic as well, my guy. It's Friday, and it's a beautiful day out. and Happy to be back on the home front. It is Friday. uh, T-G-I-F, baby. T-I-F. Robbie, let me ask you a question. What will you do if we lose to Vanderbilt? Oh, you don't want to know. Oh, hell will freeze over. If I, oh, oh, my God. It would be horrible. You don't want to know. I'll hitchhike to Columbia, throw Satterfield shit out of his house, tell him to get the hell out. How's that? I love it. I love that. Yeah, I, I think you and get, probably a like, bus full of game cops. We're paying, you too. We're paying you too damn much for our offense to look like shit. Get the hell out. Get out. Don't let the dough hit you with a good load split you. Get out. Make like a bunny and hop on out of there. Exactly. Get out. We are paying you too dang much for you to be making us look like shit. That's exactly what I would tell him. I love that. Bring the heat. Because it's don't, uncalled for. Don't you uncalled ever stop. For. Don't you ever don't stop bringing the heat, the Robbie. Is. Huh? I said, don't you ever stop bringing the heat, Robbie. I have no intentions to stop, okay? I don't care who our next OC is, right? All right? I don't care. If it ain't, if it ain't, if you, if it ain't gonna work, guess what? You better, you, you better just daggum it, not even unpack. All right? I'm just saying. Because we are so this fan, I agree, and I trust me, I agree with you. This fan base is so scarred from that slap dick must champ. Okay, we are so scarred from must champ that we don't we're, we're, we we don't know what to do. I'm in a mood today. Okay, so bear with me. All right, I'm in a mood. All right, and honestly, if Clint. I, I, I don't care when or how Clemson loses, if they ever lose at all. I don't care if they ever if they lose a game, they should obviously win, right? Because obviously teams like South Carolina and Clemson and Alabama, they play, they play other schools that are like not that good, and we pay and you and we and you pay them to basically come get their ass whooped, mm-hmm. right? If they ever lose at all, no matter if it's against the conference team or a team that they should beat the bricks off of, if they lose at all, they should be out of the playoff 
end of story done. I agree. And I don't, listen, I may have just made some Clemson fans mad, but I'm sorry. It's true. The only reason that Clemson football is worth a damn is because the ACC is, is trash. That is the only reason Clemson football is worth a turn. Which is why, honestly one of the reasons I wish they were in the SEC. I, I just, I'd love to see them. There is not a listen, there is not a snowball chance in hell that they would go undefeated in the SEC. Not a snowball chance in hell. A snowball would have a better chance of getting through hell than Clemson going undefeated in the SEC. Robbie, did you did you uh I forget. I'm sure you did, but I was thinking, did you call in last year during Carolina Clemson week? That's you know, no matter what the record is, that's one of my favorite weeks of the year because man, I talk so much shit. I love it. I love it. It's a good time, <laughs> really, and we'll do that yet again this year. It's a good time. Oh, for sure, for sure. Oh, for sure. I will be. I will be in a mood that entire week. By the way, that entire week, I will be in a mood. I love it. But I just – it's just – just beating Alabama or beating Georgia doesn't prove nothing to me when it comes to Clemson. That proves nothing. Proves nothing. Just because Al, just because Alabama got beat by Clemson in a national championship proves nothing. Have play, play a schedule as like ours year in and year out, okay? Travel to Florida. Travel to Tennessee. Travel to the real Death Valley, for God's sake. Yes, you heard it right here, the real Death Valley, which is in Louisiana, okay? Travel to the real Death Valley and try and come out of there with a W. Good luck. Because no matter how that, how, 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 how that team is, if you play a team in – if you play LSU in Louisiana at night, you are going to have your hands full for three to three and a half hours. Am I right or am I wrong? That that would be correct. And I don't know who Clemson is playing tomorrow, but whoever Notre they Dame. are playing. Okay. Notre Dame. Notre Dame so, at ooh, Notre they're Dame. They're playing the fighting Irish. Oh, at Notre I'm Dame. I'm going to be an Irish fan, and at, I'm going to be a Gamecock fan tomorrow. Let's get it. Yeah, the game is actually at the same time, believe it or not. So they, they play at 730 oh, at Notre crap. Dame. But uh, anywho, I, I I just I think that I think that this I think uh, that this game tomorrow is going to be this game for sure. Like I said the other day, will be regardless of how the offense looks. I don't give a damn. I don't care if we score a hundred. Okay. Satterfield sucks. He needs to go. Mm-hmm. Period. I just want to see us control the game from the time it starts up until it is over. And yes, I have no, I have no ill will towards Vanderbilt fans. Okay, no ill will, but there is no reason we shouldn't win this game convincingly. Do you agree or disagree? 
On paper, I, you know, I, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's no reason South Carolina should not beat Vandy. That's a fact. That's that's a fact. Yes, I mean, I, I would I would agree with you, Robbie. If if it if it if it, if, it, if we if we allow them to keep keep it a game, okay, then we're going to have some problems. We have got to put Vanderbilt away early and keep them down. And score more points than them because that will guarantee we get the victory. Exactly. And 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 I and by the way, I watched the Coastal Carolina App State game. That was a doozy. Holy crap! It was a doozy. Hmm. But um, I and and and, and I think that uh, at the end of the, like I like I've said also before, at the end of the day, Beamer's going to do what's best for the for the school and what's best for the football team. So I am behind, like you and like a majority of other people, I am behind Shane Beamer 100%. And like I, and 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 I and I also wanted to go ahead and tell you there is a chance, not a high chance, but there is a chance I will be at the watch party in Nicola for the Queen. I'd love to hear it, my guy. Love to hear it. But I'm gonna get off of here. I don't know what time it is. I'm surprised. I don't even know what time it is. But, uh, 109. I'm yeah, we're about to, here. yeah, we're about to jump into a break. And we're going to have J.C. Sherbert on after. So, uh, Robbie, I appreciate you yeah, calling in ahead. as always, yeah. my guy. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. Go Cox and go Notre Dame. Go Fighting Irish, baby. Go Irish. I love it. Right, Robbie, man. have a good one, man. Have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. Take care. Great stuff from Robbie Davis, as always. Guys, let's jump into that break. And on the other side, We'll have my good friend J.C. Sherbert of Inside the Gamecocks, the Big Spur. He will join us to talk just a little bit of what happened over the weekend against Mizzou. And, of course, look at the game tomorrow night as the Gamecocks take on Vanderbilt in Nashville. Guys, you'll hear it all from J.C. and more of your questions, comments, calls on the other side. You're tuned in to the Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back here on a beautiful Friday in the city. Appreciate you all tuning in. Friday, November the 4th, it's game day eve. Gamecocks traveling to Nashville, Tennessee to take on the Vanderbilt Commodores, looking to punch their ticket to bowl eligibility and obviously bounce back from a really tough game last weekend at Williams-Brice Stadium. Again, appreciate you guys all tuning in. Obviously, he normally joins us every single Thursday, but because of yesterday's condensed show, we move him to today on a special game day eve edition of our conversation with J.C. Sherbert of Inside the Gamecock of the Big Spur. J.C., what's going on, man? And hey, man. Great to be with you on a Friday, Chris. Yeah, Great to be with you. Appreciate you taking the time, and I appreciate you being flexible with your schedule, my friend. Oh, yeah, that's no problem. I, I try to stay as flexible as possible these days. <laughs> yeah, you just, you just never know, right, when the content will come calling. And obviously, I know you guys – just wrapped up your show over at Inside the Gamecocks, and you guys do a fantastic job. And again, want to say thank you for having me on the airwaves yesterday. Let's get right into it, JC. South Carolina coming off a really tough game against Mizzou, and I, I won't spend too much time dwelling on that. But I guess I'd ask you this, because I feel like you and I both, right, we're really confident going in that ball game. South Carolina, tons of momentum and I don't know if it's too aggressive to say they laid an egg, but it sure enough felt that way. Uh, how surprised were you at the overall result against the Tigers last weekend? You know, it was one of those games I, I thought 
for South Carolina, it was a, it was a tough matchup because because you look at Missouri's defensive numbers and and sort of how they played most of the year, uh, and you think, well, you know, this is a good defense, and obviously, uh, you know, Kentucky was a good defense too, A and M not so much, but um, you know, I, I felt like South Carolina being at home and and with the way the defense for the Gamecocks had played would would be able to solve them a little better. And uh, what happened was the first half or first uh, quarter, the Gamecocks just uh, straight up their defensive staff got outcoached by Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, there's no other way around it. Brady Cook played better than we expected. The Gamecocks didn't really get the turnovers, bad call on the interception. Um, But I did think Clayton White and his staff did a good job of making some adjustments in the second half in terms of limiting Missouri's scoring. They stayed, stayed on the field too long. I mean, don't get me wrong. But in terms of limiting them to, you know, six points, you think uh, you have to have your offense uh, come back. You know, and, and I said this in the SEC, you face such good coaches and good players every week. Uh, inevitably, no matter if you're the favorite or, or, or whatever, you're going to do it to someone else. You're going to have a game where you fall behind like that early. I mean, look at the Auburn game last year, you know, at, at South Carolina, you know, the game guys came back and won. Uh, that should not have been an insurmountable lead. Uh, Carolina does make a game of it, pulling within a touchdown, and then, you know, the air got let out of the balloon yet again. Um, you know, I, I think that anytime you have an offense that's so dependent on one player, uh, you need to have a backup plan just in case in the back of your mind there didn't seem to be a backup plan uh, for the Gamecocks. Uh, you know, some of the answers you get about bell not playing but nine snaps and all this other stuff you know just it adds kind of fuel to the fire when we're talking about marcus satterfield and and the job he's done uh, as the oc at south carolina through 21 games Uh, i think people are just sick of watching it you know they're they're just sick of watching bad offense around here um i think spencer rattler continues to to over process uh which happens uh, in offenses like this uh You know, he's missing guys sometimes, sometimes he's not, you know, sometimes he doesn't have time, uh, all that good stuff. So, you know, someone's got to give. I mean, you know, you can't, you know, keep going down this path. Uh, And I thought, you know, it's kind of interesting in in the press conference this week, Satterfield goes, we're still figuring out our offense. You know, we're, we're, it's still early. We're still molding our offense. Yeah. This is college football. One of the guys that, got hired the same time you did as a head coach, you know, uh, is fired right now. (laughs) Already fired. You know, that's the SEC. You don't have that much time. And you honestly don't have that much time in college. And and if if something's going to take a year and a half, Chris, for for players to learn and get down cold, you're you're never going to have that be an advantage because in college you, you, you switch players. Uh, you know, everybody, kids leave and graduate. You get new guys coming in. So, especially you know, in the portal era with guys coming uh, in and out yearly. Yeah. If you have a system that takes two years to learn, I mean, it, it that doesn't it, benefit you a whole lot. And quarterback, especially. I mean, look, look at how many transfer quarterbacks uh, are very, very important to their respective teams. You know, Hooker at Tennessee, Daniels at LSU. Uh, you know, you look at how many transfer quarterbacks they had at Oklahoma. Uh, when Lincoln Riley was there and, and how well they did with that. Um, so, so you just don't have that, you don't have that luxury these days. Um, you know, and, and I don't know that even if there wasn't a portal, Chris, that you still do just because it's, it's college ball. You, you have 20 hours a week, three of it's the game, you know, to work on all this stuff. 
they have class. You have to motivate kids in college. There's no motivation that takes place in the NFL. And it's just, it, it's surprising to me that, uh, and I've seen this happen with other coaches, uh, namely, I think Kurt Roper a little bit. Uh, they go to the league. Maybe they're not even doing an important job, but, uh, you know, coaches that love ball, right? Uh, and and when I say love ball, I mean, they love getting on the chalkboard, coming up to play. I'll talk about it all day, you know, all that good stuff. The NFL is just so fascinating, right? It's just because it's there all this nuance, all this new stuff every week. I mean, you know, these guys really love it. I mean, they get off on it, you know. Mm. And so it's fascinating to me that, like, you know, you have a guy that was only there a year and and he comes back and wants to, you know, do all the stuff. And it it just – it's maddening. Um, But, you know, I did some research too. I look back at the day – the Temple days when he coached under Matt Rule, you know, and and, and they brought in a new quarterbacks coach and – you know, they were talking that, that was the same narrative there, simplifying, making better decisions, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so I don't know, maybe this is something that's just kind of been out there for a while. Uh, but uh, it, it's a situation that I don't think, uh, as things stand today, uh, it, it's sustainable. Uh, I do think that in, in college football, sometimes you get surprised, right? And sometimes in four games, the narrative can completely change. But I, I think as of right now, we've seen enough. Um, and I think it's just something that, you know, Shane Beamer in the long term, the near future uh, is going to have to address one way or the other. So that's, uh, you know, that's my take there. Uh, you know, as far as uh, that game against Missouri goes, I think you just got to, you got to flush it and move forward and uh, understand there's still ball to be played. And, and if you don't win at Vanderbilt this weekend, excuse Siri for going off. I don't she called it something I said. She's going off right now. But, uh, you know, uh, if you don't win this game this weekend, uh, the wheels are completely coming off this season. And there's been so much good that Shane Beamer's done and, you know, so many good moments so far. Uh, the, 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 a loss like this this weekend, you know, last weekend was bad because it, it was one of those things where they left a lot on the table. They would have been in the playoff rankings had they won last weekend. But, um, you know, you lose this one, uh, it's, it's going to start to get pretty ugly. Uh, around Columbia, and I don't know what will happen uh, if they drop the game to the doors this weekend. And, J.C., I know coming into the season, obviously, you you were skeptical on Marcus Satterfield, as many were, and uh, you sort of addressed it there at the end. But, I mean, it definitely sounds like, at least, again, from what we've seen to this point, like you mentioned, a lot can change over four games, narratives can change. But I will say this, J.C., and, of course, we didn't lead with this because when you're winning, right, let's focus on the winning, let's enjoy the winning. Mm-hmm. Like Winning cures all, as you and I talked, I think, literally yesterday. But – I think everybody could look at it with a critical eye, even after you beat Kentucky, you beat Texas A&M and Texas A&M and say, like you mentioned, this is not sustainable. And for the health of South Carolina football, I think moving off of this year and moving into the future of the Shane Beamer era, I think a change will be necessary at OC. Because like you mentioned, people are just tired of watching bad offense. And there's no good team out there that's not scoring a lot of points. And I just don't think at Carolina, you know, I just talked to Jake Crane in the first hour. You know, he he loves to harp on personnel. And, I mean, I love Jake, and I value his opinion. I don't want to make it sound like I don't. But he likes to talk personnel. And I feel like I'm as critical as anyone about personnel. And, hey, if you just don't have the bodies, you don't have the players, it's about the Jimmys and Joes, not the X's and O's. But when you've got Satterfield, you're not producing. The numbers aren't there. you got all the damning stuff happening off the field with Jaheim Bell's mom and you know, r- rumors of strong rumors of losing a recruit to Tennessee because he doesn't like your offense. 
thinks it's boring. And then you got Sat talking about 12 and 13 personnel this and, you know, 275 yards rushing per game. That It's like there's so much damning evidence. And at South Carolina, if you try to beat Alabama and Georgia and these top teams at their own game at this 12 and 13 personnel BS, you just don't have a shot. You don't have a chance, right? So, I mean, I, you know, again, I, I know you just mentioned it, but I, I know you'd agree that moving forward, unless something just astronomically changes, right? I, you know, Marcus Satterfield does some DMT or trips on some mushrooms and, and, and has this awakening, right? I, I think it's, it's in the best interest of South Carolina football to, to move on from his services at the end of the season. Yeah, I, you know, it, it, I, th- I think it, it has to head in that direction at some point. I, I'll say this too. I'll, um, you know, as far as the personnel goes, I, I don't think people – if you just watch South Carolina and, and you're an outsider, like I know uh, Jay Boy is, uh, you know, I don't think he's like following up on South Carolina football <laughs> as, as right, much right, as maybe right. some right. other teams. And, and I like him too. I think he's a great guy, really talented guy. Um, you know, game to game, it's hard to, hard to tell. I mean, because if you happen to watch the Arkansas game, you, you know that Juice Wells is really good. Well, if you watch Georgia, you don't. Uh, you know, if you watched the bowl game last year, you'd think Gene Bell could be an all-SEC player, but other times you don't see him. Yeah. You know, the last two games, you look at Austin Stogner and how well he's played. And you didn't really think that at the beginning of the year. You know, Marshawn Lloyd has been ha- – had a consistent run of four games. And then when he goes out and, and you know, you, you insist on running Juju between the tackles and you uh, insist on playing Christian Bill Smith, who, who wasn't himself – last week and you can't get a push up front, then you think, man, these running backs behind this guy, are, uh, Lloyd's their whole team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's the case. And I, th- I think uh, a few years from now, Chris, when we look at the, the guys that are going to be in the NFL, it's kind of like the Muschamp era on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to look and see a lot of individuals that, that make it at the next level. And you're going, where was this guy? Well, he was kind of buried in the, uh, you know, dogmatic commitment to to scheme, as Phil likes to say. Uh, and, and that's just not, you know, Tony Morell on my site had, a, had an article this week. Uh, play, it's about players, not plays. Uh, and, and what's extremely disheartening uh, is you look at Tennessee and there's all kinds of articles on The Athletic this week about Josh Heupel's offense and how uh, it's peak Art Bryles from Baylor, right? There's plays, Chris, where the Vols snap the ball and their two boundary receivers or their two uh, receivers to the field side just stand there. <laughs> they don't even run routes. Uh, and it's because, um, you know, because they, they only make you read half the field. They have option routes. That they have probably like seven different plays. They run 25 different formations out of it, and they go really fast. Uh, and every coach that uh, they interviewed anonymously about their offense goes, it's so simple, but it's just hard to stop. Uh, and then you look at South Carolina with things like 13-word play calls, and, and all these things sound good on paper. You know, they sound like, oh, well, that's, comp- that's going to be an NFL offense. It's going to be great. Uh, but when you start thinking about college kids learning it, uh, it gets really kind of, <clears throat> you know, disheartening because you, you could just see the confusion – in Spencer Rattler's face, I, I think that's probably been uh, one of Jaheim Bell's issues. You know, if you kind of read between the lines, you know, there's probably a reason why, you know, he's not out there uh, lined up well or, or out there a whole lot because 
maybe he doesn't grasp all this stuff they're trying to do. And good coaches, though, will, will, will they play their best players and they find a way, you know, especially, you know, and look, uh, I think the personnel is much better than it's shown, but, you know, South Carolina is not loaded, right? You know, you, you have so many guys that are capable of being elite playmakers in this league. You better find a way to get them the ball. And uh, that just continues to not happen. And it's not just Jaheim. Um, you know, there's games early in the year that Marshawn was healthy. You know, Arkansas comes to mind. You know, they have a touchdown drive and um, <laughs> they didn't even throw it. Uh, first touchdown of the game out there, never went back to the run again. And we've seen this over and over and over again. Uh, and it's frustrating. And we'll probably see it Saturday. Uh, but the idea Saturday is to win in spite of it, which, you know, South Carolina has gone 12 and nine under Shane Beamer through 21 games. So in, in many ways that they've been able to do that. And I think uh, Saturday will be another one of those opportunities. Yeah, I got to be honest, JC, it, you know, you talking about the the playmakers and their lack of usage, it, it really does make my blood boil and and thinking to the Mizzou game and, and the lack of willingness to adjust and adapt and change. And, and you know, listen, Marcus Satterfield's not an idiot. You know, he, he he's gotten to the point he's gotten because he know, like you said, he knows ball. I mean, there's nobody that at least I think that makes it to the SEC level of coaching and God forbid he was in the NFL that isn't smart when it comes to football and that knows yeah. ball. But, you know, I, I left that Missouri game, and, and obviously my, my, my thoughts are very well documented. And, you know, I, I, I bit my tongue after Kentucky and a and Because, again, you were, you were winning ball games. Like, I, I, we all just want to win. Winning cures all. I'm not going to be the guy leading some, some revolution after a dub. Like, hey, the win's great, but this. Like, no, nah, let's yeah. focus on the winning, all that. We understood what the issues were. But what was so disheartening about Mizzou or just what I felt like after Mizzou it was like, I, I don't want Marcus Satterfield replaced because I feel like South Carolina should be Tennessee, although that'd be really nice. I want Marcus Satterfield replaced because, like, I watched the Missouri game, and I, and I know sometimes you have off games, but you watch this football team this year, and you're just like, they may not be Tennessee, but damn, it feels like we're better than we are. I, I just, I really believe that South Carolina should be better than it is on offense, right? And you talk about the NFL scheme and how complicated it is, and maybe that's why Jaheim Bell's not out, and it's just, that makes your blood boil, man. It, it does, you know? And, like, Jaheim Bell, obviously, getting zero targets against Missouri. I mean, it's, it's, it's inexcusable, right? It, there's just – there's no good excuse for it. And I tell you, and moving into that point, JC, have you ever felt like there was a week where the press conferences were as highly criticized as they were this week? Because I know you and I have talked. That coach speaks up. I mean, you have to do it, right? It's part of the gig, part of the job. But boy, it is it is really tough to stomach when you're when you're not producing and you're not winning, and especially you're coming off a week where you said, you know, if it was up to me, I'd, I'd get Jaheim the ball twenty times. Well, you didn't even target him, so that was a lie, or that just didn't come to fruition, or whatever. And then the, the coach speak becomes nauseating, right? When 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 you have the type of performance you had against Mizzou and. I don't know, JC. I don't even have a question to follow up with. I'm just I'm venting to you because hearing that, like the you know, it just it's it's frustrating. It's because, fr like you mentioned, you feel like you have these pieces, and it's just such brutal mismanagement. I'm not saying we should be scoring 50 a game, but the Gamecocks should be better than 13th in the SEC in offense. I, I mean, oh, that goes good. without saying. Goes without saying. There's no question, and, and you know, you, you kind of, you know, sometimes Chris. Uh, fans uh, tend to kind of 
Uh, and I think it, it, through my career, I've been guilty of this at times. Maybe you're, you're quick to blame the coach right. uh, for bad play. You know, basically a good play call is a play call that works, and a bad one's one that doesn't. Um, and there's more to it than that. But when you see things like, like the, the situation inside the two-yard line at Tennessee last year, uh, that was un- completely unnecessary. Uh, you know, I, I had somebody that, you know, considers himself somewhat of a, a football expert try to defend it and say, well, they, they, weren't, they weren't getting a push. Well, uh, they had run the ball right down the field for the first time all year with Kevin Harris. And last time I checked, uh, the way you beat a team that goes fast is you have to counter them in scoring and, you know, control the ball on the ground. We all saw that five years in a row against Clemson or four at least, when Chad Morris was the, the OC and Spurrier would play a game of keep away. That's just how you beat those teams. Mm-hmm. I saw Georgia's going to have to beat Tennessee this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get inside, points are so precious at that point. You run the DeCarry and Jordan play that hadn't worked at all, ever. Uh, and then you throw that halfback pass with Birch. And the answer was, well, we decided we were going to do that. Well, you know, you got to kind of have a, a feel for things, right? You know, you, you can't just – first a goal from the two and you run two gadget plays back to back when you've run it all the way down their throat. What, what does that tell in your line and your backs and, and everybody, I mean, Hey, save that for later. You may need it. Um, and so there's stuff like that. There's stuff like, uh, the game plan against Clemson last year was the same game plan. They ran against Auburn. You know, we ran the same plays, uh, when all year, you know, they've been putting in different plays every week. You know, there's the size of the playbook. There's, you know, this uh, this whole notion that, you know, the players have to adjust to the scheme. The scheme does not have to adjust to the players. That's bad coaching. That's not that's not sound. Nobody, does, nobody that's successful does it that way unless you're like an offensive guru, uh, like a Steve Spurrier or a Mike Leach or somebody like that where the system does carry you. And even those guys will like strip it back and adjust it uh, depending on the personnel they had. You know, Connor Shaw was not a typical Spurrier quarterback. Well, guess what? They adjusted. Um, you know, Mike Leach uh, probably doesn't adjust, right? Uh, and he gets his butt beat sometimes. <laughs> but, um, you know, what they do is, is they, just, uh, they just go out there and rep it over and over. And it's, it's not that hard to learn. That air raid's not that hard to learn. So, so it works. I mean, you know, it was very disheartening to see, you know, Tennessee has the number one offense in the country uh, and they basically run five plays and everybody's, you know, fired up and in sync and then they look like a juggernaut. I mean, and, it, and, and that's the thing. South Carolina's offense is complicated to run, but it looks super simple and basic because of, of, of the confusion and the ugly play. South Carolina's second in the SEC in negative plays behind only Missouri. Um, Tennessee's offense looks like it's like something they got printed out from like the flux capacitor and back to the future, right? It's, it's futuristic, looks futuristic as you know what, very simple, old, old, old school, Texas high school offense, right? <laughs> with, with seven plays. Uh, and, and that's what you get from guys from the browse tree and you know, kind of look around the league who has elevated their program, um, you know, outside of South, South Carolina's elevated, but, but who, Ole Miss, elevated you know they went they're, they're now in the top 10 they were a five-win team when matt luke got fired arkansas was a dumpster fire like they as bad as things got at south carolina they were nothing compared to how bad it got in arkansas nothing 
like hit, like losing to Western Kentucky by 26 at home uh, against a quarterback that you'd run off and you're Chad Morris. It got that bad. Well, how are they back? Well, you know, they have played pretty good defense at times. Barry Odom's a good DC, but they're doing it with their offense, right? Uh, Tennessee, of course, we all know about. Mississippi State, I mentioned them. You know, they hired Leach at the same time. They've upset, what, six or beaten six top 25 teams since he's been there in three years. Um, and, and so you look at how these teams are elevating. They're all doing it with offense. And you even go back to LSU in 2019, I think they kind of provided a blueprint that like, hey, Les Miles has been here. You tried all that crap. It was like watching paint dry you know, toward the end. Then you brought in Matt Canada and he, you know, a little too complicated there. All right, let's just throw caution to the wind and go for it, right? And uh, and that's how Coach Ed Orgeron won a national championship and had a dominant team. It's offense. It, teams are elevating with offenses these days. Uh, it's always going to be important to play defense in this league, but you can't be like this on offense. I mean, you just cannot be this clunky, uh, and struggle and confused and, and all that. And, dude, it's been happening for two years. We, 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 we've seen a few moments, right? But we, 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 we've never seen this offense make a difference in a game, because, like scheme-wise, because, you know, even the bowl with some nice stuff at the beginning ended up being one of those games a lot like Florida last year where Tar Heels just could not stop Kevin Harris. And, 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 and you know, South Carolina has a most, – most offensive systems – are very good, right? When um, the other team can't stop you from running, and that's but that's not going to happen every week. It's just not for sure. JC, I you know to your point, I I do think that the and I'm not trying to, you know, I, I'll just say this: the future of the Shane Beamer era in Columbia is dependent on South Carolina getting getting good on offense. I mean, just bottom line. I feel like that's an obvious statement. I don't want people to think I'm like starting to talk about Shane Beamer's job status or anything because I'm certainly not. But that's just the reality of it. Like his his tenure will be defined by can the Gamecocks figure it out offensively. Bottom line, point blank, in a discussion. Let, let's talk, JC, let's move into this game this weekend because speaking of South Carolina's offense, uh, Beamer uh, on his call-in show last night saying Marshawn Lloyd is questionable for this ball game. We're hearing rumors that he may not go what are you hearing on the status of Marshawn Lloyd? And if he can't go, how concerning is that for the Gamecocks offense? And he's got a strange injury because it's like half the time, like this even happened during the game, mm -hmm. half the time, you know, he was able to go play and then all of a sudden, nope, nope, I can't. It's just kind of weird. Um, earlier in the week, there was optimism he would play, but he looked fine running around and all that. But and, and I, I, don't, I don't know, I want to say he re-injured it, because Shane did say he's gotten a little better, maybe maybe on Sunday or something. I don't know. I checked, I checked pretty early on this, right? And so then I was told yesterday it's very much up in the air. I, I think kind of with the way injuries are communicated around here, if I had to put money on it, I'd probably say he's not playing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I wrote an article today, like, well, well who's going to run the ball? And so you hear this stuff about Jaheim Bell uh, now being the starting running back. Uh, which I think is fine. It's not a bad idea because, you you know, Christian Bill Smith hasn't been 100%. Juju, you can't run him between the tackles a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. You know, then you got Dante Miller, uh, Rashad Amos, and um, uh, Lavasia Carroll, which, you know, one of those three guys I think could do a good job. I guess they don't feel like that. So, so if you're going to play Jaheim at running back, more power to you. I hope it works. 
but but they've got to do more, I think, than just stick Jaheim back there and hand it to him like he's Marshawn Lloyd. You know, I I said you could see a DeCarry Joiner package this week. Uh, I think it's a package, not a play. I think when you stick him out there for one play, you've done it. The next time you do it for one play, it'll be I think the ninth or tenth time in 21 games. And it, it, the best play was that three yard run against Georgia earlier this year, which is one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, you can get Juju on the perimeter. I mean, I, I don't understand what happened to the offense we saw in the bowl game. They were very good at having balance, making North Carolina defend the whole field. And it wasn't just Joiner. I mean, it was, it was, it was the calls and things like that, you know, until the second half when they just couldn't stop Harris, right. you know, is it Bill Smith? Did they put Doty in? Uh, this got lost, I think, in Satterfield's press conference, but but he did. He mentioned Xavier Leggett because uh, he he was alluding to people, and he said the guy that had the hundred yard kickoff return, you know. So could you see Xavier Leggett taking some some handoffs? I don't know. Um, I think they do have to find a way to run the ball because, like I said, it's a proven fact that when this offense is not able to run it, usually the Gamecocks don't win and look ugly losing. JC, would you expect South Carolina to force feed Jaheim Bell the football this weekend? Because obviously zero targets against Mizzou. You've got his mother on social media, obviously, uh, you know, voicing her thoughts and feelings, which I think most Gamecock fans would agree with. It, you know, then you've got, you know, 24-7 sports, which people got on me about it. But listen, this is notable information when you got a guy from 24-7 talking about Jaheim Bell being one of the top targets in the transfer portal. It feels like it would do South Carolina a lot of good to make him a point of emphasis in this football game. You mentioned it running back. You know, I think about the fact that Vanderbilt is the worst pass defense statistically in the SEC. And I granted, I know who they've played, but how do you expect the Gamecocks to use Jaheim Bell? Would you expect him to touch the football early and often in this one? Well, I, you know, I, I think everybody's heard it. And I think, I think they're going to try to get it to him, I, you know, my question, what I get, 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 what I keep getting called up at is, you know, okay, it's important for Jaheim Bell to touch the football, right? But is he really your best running back? I mean, uh, if Bill Smith's not 100%, don't play him. Hmm. You know, if, if Lloyd's not healthy, you can't play him. You got to, you got to, you know, if he's out, he's out. Uh, and I, we've talked about Juju. So, you know, I kind of think Dante Miller's a pretty good player. I kind of think Rashad Amos is a pretty good player at running back. Hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh, is this Jaheim Bell thing like the next uh, big idea, you know? And sometimes the big ideas like playing Jordan at quarterback last year in the bowl game work. Most of the time they haven't. Hmm. So, you know, that's my question. Is Jaheim going to be your best chance to line up and run the football Saturday night? And if so, that's fine. Uh, you know, because you, you kind of need a running back. It, it, it still doesn't, you know, I, I still can't get over, like, why he's not more involved in the passing game. Uh, you know, I know that, you know, again, this offense is complex. I know he's sometimes had problems getting lined up right and stuff like that. But, you know, that's on the coach. You know, you, you, you have to still adjust what you're doing, especially when you don't have a system that's done much. You know, there's nothing since uh, in 21 games that I think says this is a great system if it's just executed properly because mm -hmm. they fundamentally have problems executing every single game, mm -hmm. you know, and, and no no execution is perfect. But, uh, 
you know, that, that it's, it's, a, it's a dumpster, you know, dumpster fire to me uh, is kind of what we've seen on offense, you know, for the majority uh, of the past 21 games. So I think that, uh, yeah, you know, I, I do, I'm with you. I think they're going to force feed Jaheim. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get him the ball this time. We'll see what he can do. My question is, is that if you, if you just decide, well, this is how he's going to get his touches, we're going to hand it to him 15 times. Uh, is that better than using one of your, your backs? You know, I mean, it, it is that, and that, that's a question that I think, you know, probably will be have to had, will have to be answered during game time, uh, in my opinion. Now, JC, along with Marcus Satterfield, of course, Spencer Rattler catching the heat this week. And, I mean, you look at his numbers, five TDs, nine interceptions now, has the fumble in that ballgame. Made some made some plays where I think you look at and you say, you know, that's the guy we wanted to come in. But uh, been a rough season. I mean, there's no other way to put it. At what point do you think South Carolina does and should consider benching him? Do you think they shouldn't? I mean, I, I'm not someone – I'm not leading the bench Rattler charge because I – I don't really feel like there's an answer, you know, on the bench waiting in the wings that is like the savior at that position. But, you know, I, I look at it this way, JC, for the fourth straight game, you reach halftime and you're at 100 yards of offense. And, and it's just a – you're just sputtering yet again. I don't know that I'll be calling for the change, but it, it wouldn't shock me, right? Like you mentioned, you just can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. Where do you stand on that in regards to the – the quarterback conversation around Spencer Rattler. Yeah, I think it's been completely a bad deal for him this year, man. He's he's swimming mentally. He's he's restricted. It's it's just a, you just kind of want him to go out there and play ball, right? And it, it's very hard as an athlete to do that when you're thinking too much, uh, and that's exactly what's going on. Um, I, he looks like a rookie. I've said this many times. Looks like a rookie quarterback in the NFL. Rookie quarterbacks in the NFL are capable, talented, good players, but they struggle very, very much at a high level their rookie seasons. If a franchise has to has to start them, um, just because the, the the mental side of that game is so different, you know, and and so you kind of put two and two together. You're like, well. You know, this is supposed to be this NFL offense. You talk about 13-word play calls. You talk about uh, these this glacial pace they move with personnel packages. And, you know, like, like I said, it looks like Spencer's got an iPad on his wrist with all the stuff they have written on it. Um, go play. I mean, he, he just needs to go play. I, you know, it, it, and here's my, here's where I stand on that, Chris. If, if I knew – you know, and, and, and if Luke Doty, let's let's say, all right, Spencer throws a pick or, or Spencer gets banged up, Luke comes in uh, and has a great game and, and he's running and zipping it up and down the field, I'll, I'll eat my words. You know, I'll need to see what happens in the following week because uh, it seems around here sometimes that, you know, some player will have a big game and, and do something great. And instead of uh, sticking with what works, everything gets reinvented the following week and they struggle again. But uh you know, I'll eat my words on it, but I, you know, I know Spencer's missed some balls. I know Spencer's missed some guys, but that happens when you're thinking too much. You know, uh, the narrative at Oklahoma was that, that, you know, he can't read a defense, but he still was completing 70% of his passes when he got benched. Um, you know, I'm not saying he played perfect. I, I think what got him is maybe their offensive line was missing some people. Uh, it was not the pandemic year, so teams' defense came back in 2021 a little bit. Uh, so maybe they were able to disguise their coverages more. 
you know, you had a lot of players missing week in and week out in 2020. So maybe those defenses were more complete. Uh, that was fine. I, I still think Oklahoma could have won, you know, without him. Uh, I also think Caleb Williams' ability to run the football uh, was a big part of that decision Lincoln Riley made. Uh, you know, so so you see what is we you had to evaluate him, right? So you see what his strengths and weaknesses are, and you know I understand the the, the challenge of turning him into NFL ready, and it's going to make you look really good and all that. But uh, priority number one needs to be scoring points, going up and down the field, winning football games, and and that's it bothers me, Chris, when there's such a focus on these ancillary parts uh, of college football, you know, by coaches. I, I think that, you know, the previous staff uh, sort of, I think they got worried because they weren't recruiting that, you know, at the highest level. Uh, and so they'd go try to like sell guys on getting them ready for the league. Uh, and Travis Robinson was really good at that. But, you know, you saw what happened to the defense by the time I was said and done. And that's the same thing, complete mass confusion on the back end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I thought that was a big important thing, you know, for Beamer uh, when he took over is, you know, go get a college coordinator on defense. And he did. Clayton White runs essentially some of the same stuff Muschamp did. It's just taught at a lot, simp- a lot simpler, mm-hmm. you know, and you saw that last year with guys like Jalen Foster playing free, like they'd been released from something, you know, uh, Cam Smith, those guys, the secondary. Um, and so it's just kind of, it baffles me that we're sitting here talking about the offense in that exact same way. Uh, I think we know the defense had some talent. Um, and uh, that I believe this offense does have talent too. It's just not playing up its, to its potential because it's just the wrong plan for the wrong group of guys. JC, switching to the defensive side of the ball, because I know we could just talk offense all day, obviously, with the issues at hand. But uh, you look at Vanderbilt, led by quarterback A.J. Swan, which is so interesting. You look at Spencer Rattler's numbers. Then you look at A.J. Swan, the youngster, eight touchdowns, one interceptions, played really good football for them. Uh, in the backfield, they got Ray Davis, which he's one of my key matchups in the Gamecock stopping. And on the outside, I know I talked with you about Will Shepard, Jaden McGowan, the, uh, the South Carolina kid. Just talk about the challenge that Vandy presents uh, for the South Carolina defense. And, you know, again, all eyes have been on this offense this week, and deservedly so. But, you know, there were some things against Mizzou that maybe you look at and you have a little bit of concern. But like you mentioned, I think Clayton White and company were able to make those adjustments. And I I said it over the summer. You know, I don't think this is an elite defense like you mentioned, but it's a defense that's going to keep you in every ballgame, no doubt. But uh, what do you look at from the Vanderbilt offense and the challenges they present tomorrow night? Now, they do have a really good plan. I, th- I think, you know, one of the things Derek Mason could never figure out, uh, and, and it's what made him sort of one of the worst hires I think anybody's made, uh, you know, he, in, in the league, he comes in uh, and Vanderbilt had just won nine. I think they returned 17 starters off James Franklin's team. James ran a nice, you know, collegiate spread, similar to what you see. Uh, up at Penn State from time to time out of him. You know, not not a – you know, it's not a legendary offense or anything, but it's, it was good enough and they moved the football. Well, well Derek Mason comes in, it's, it's 22 personnel and things like that, like they were doing at Stanford, and he proceeds to go winless in the, in the, uh, in the SEC, <laughs> which was hilarious to me because I picked him to go winless in 2014, and Vandy – all three Vandy fans in Nashville got mad at me. Uh, but uh, told me I was an idiot, right? Uh, so, uh, you know, that that 
for years, Vandy has been, with the exception of like Jay Cutler and, and Earl Bennett and that, that kind of time period, they've been a team that if, if they can get you in like a 24-20 game, they're happy. You know, good defense, stellar defense, bunch of tough kids. Uh, offense was a mystery. Well, well Clark Lee, uh, they run offense, you know, and, and they've got game breakers. You, you mentioned McGowan, you know, a guy from Lawrence, South Carolina, uh, 4.31 in the 40. Will Shepard's really good. Uh, their running back's good. The running back that quit the team was actually really good, too. Uh, so they used to have two. Now they've just got one. You know, they're pretty decent up front. Uh, you know, A.J. Swan's touchdown to interception ratio is outstanding. Uh, Missouri's pressure did get to him, though. He was 13 for 30 in that game. And then we all saw last year, uh, I think everyone was expecting Seals to start for Vanderbilt, and Mike Wright started, and you saw what happened. <laughs> there was a lot of adjustment that had to be made, uh, and Wright got free. So that, that presents another challenge, too, is having to prepare for both quarterbacks. I, mm-hmm. I, I think Vanderbilt – is not quite at the level where, Chris, they're going to be able to go put a bunch of points on the board against a Georgia or Bama uh, in a defense like Missouri. Missouri's probably top four, five, three, maybe even in the league defensively. Uh, but, you know, you look at Ole Miss, they scored on them. They scored on Wake Forest. Uh, they put 63 on Hawaii at the beginning of the year. Uh, they're, they're, they're a more capable Vanderbilt offense. Uh, than maybe some people think. So, so I think it's not only going to be important for South Carolina's offense to get their act together and put points on the board. You know, the Gamecock defense, I think, will be challenged uh, by these guys. And I, I think what you got to do is uh, take your advantage on the line of scrimmage, get back there, affect the passer, uh, and don't let them hit you on the perimeter because they're similar to Missouri from the standpoint of, that's what they want to do. They want to get it out to McGowan or, or Shepard and let him run by you for a big play. So, you know, the Gamecocks have to tackle on the perimeter, have to contain uh, that type of thing. And, uh, you know, it, it, that didn't happen so well last week. Uh, but, uh, you know, given what happened last week, you, you probably would think this defensive group would respond uh, in a big way. And winning the turnover battle, JC, you know, I think it's so it's so interesting. South Carolina, of course, five and three. They're five and zero oh when they force a turnover, and then zero oh and three when they don't. So that, that seems like a pretty simple recipe for success. Get the football off of Andy. Uh, you should have a fun night. You know, JC, I've gone on record twenty six to thirteen. My prediction in this game, I do expect the Gamecocks offensively to force feed Jaheim Bell, which I think will frustrate Carolina fans because I think he has a big game, and we're all left scratching our heads wondering. Well, why didn't you do this all year? Uh, and I think the defense w- will be solid again. I-, I don't really trust what Vandy has offensively. I, th- I think you bounce back. I-, I think the overall tenacity of the football team returns much closer to what we saw against Texas A&M, Kentucky. But I got to be honest, JC, I sit here right now. I've locked in my prediction. I feel good about it. But I am nervous going in this game. Th- this-, this is a scary football game for South Carolina. Um, I, you know, thankfully, Vanderbilt's not exactly an intimidating SEC road environment, but you're still on the road in the SEC at night. I, I think you're you're a little wounded right now, and the question will be, can Vanderbilt take advantage, right? They've got this long SEC losing streak. I think they've lost 25 straight SEC games. They've lost 13 straight games of the Gamecocks, and it's like, at some point, right, they're due. I mean, I, I know they're due, but at some point, th- those streaks are going to be snapped. Your feelings on this game, your prediction, does Carolina make it 14 in a row, or does Vanderbilt shock Carolina and we're all left picking up the pieces after a tough night in Nashville? Your overall feeling on this game tomorrow night? 
you know, I can't, I can't rule out a tough loss. I mean, because you, you think about kind of during the four game win streak for Carolina, what, what was kind of the common denominator was Marshawn Lloyd. And if he's out, you know, it, it would take, it's going to take something to replace him. That's not, not happened this whole year. It's just yeah. somebody else having a big game running the ball. Um, and so it's scary for that reason. Cause you, you can just kind of see a scenario where everything gets bogged down and you, you know, you, you can't make plays. Now what, what kind of gives me hope in this though, is you look at Vandy's past defense, they're not very good back there. You know, Ole Miss was down to them and they just started chunking it all. I mean, they blew the doors off of them. Right. Mm. Uh, I don't know how, you know, uh, great Brady Cook was uh, against them in, in Columbia, Missouri, uh, in the second half. Uh, they got up 17. But Missouri's up 17. Nothing on Vandy, and all 17-14. But, you know, I, I look at it, you know, a lot of teams have put up yards and points uh, against the Vandy defense, particularly their secondary. So, if there's going to be a game rattler and the passing game gets going, this is probably it, you know. Uh, and so, for that reason, uh, I think – I think Vandy will have some big plays they bust uh, and, and get some some points on the board. Um, I think the Gamecocks, though, will have more. Uh, probably will get a turnover that will lead to a short field or whatever. 31-21 Gamecocks, I'm taking the over. It may surprise some people out there because uh, I do think, you know, it, it'll be one of those games where the Gamecocks will have 31 on the board, but you'll look up at about 330 yards, something like that. Uh, just because I think Carolina's special teams uh, and defense will come back alive uh, and make a difference, and 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 I think I think this may be the week. I mean, how, how long has Rattler been stuck on five touchdown passes? <laughs> I mean, it's it's been since when, you know? Uh, so I, I think he'll get the six at least uh, th- this weekend up in Nashville. <laughs> you know, and and, I, and I'll say this, JC, in closing that. You know, I, I like your prediction. I agree. And again, I got the Gamecocks winning, but it, it's one of those that we're pick. Like, I, I can I just speak for myself, I guess. Like, I'm, I'm picking South Carolina to win because I, I know we've got the talent. I know we're more talented. I've seen us play well, you know, when, when all three fa- or when two of the three phases are working. But it's almost like, too, like, of, of course, I'm not going to pick Mandy. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm just not going to do it. You know what I mean? So that's there's a pit in my stomach that is like, you know, if this offense has to go win the ball game, mano y mano, I'm terrified. Like, I, I just, I'll just be totally honest. I'm terrified. I, yeah, and like you mentioned, with no Marshawn Lloyd, it, it can happen, but it'll have to be via things that basically have not happened all year, which could uh, happen, but it's, that's the scary part. And I'll say this, Clark Lee is not going to sit back in a prevent defense this year and let the Gamecocks chuck it down. I mean, you talk about coaching errors and blunders. I mean, Chris, that game last year, South Carolina, there's about three different times that if something had an inch here, an inch there, they would have lost, right? Right. So early in the game, Vandy's walking in for a touchdown. Zach Pickens comes out of nowhere, stuffs the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're down up 17-14, about to score a touchdown. Uh Pickens again in the defensive line. They get a big stop, hold them to the field goal. And then thankful for Clark Lee and Zeb Noland and, you know, everybody that was involved with that last drive, that was big because <laughs> they went down and avoided a, a terribly embarrassing loss, you know. And this Vandy team this year, there's nothing about Vanderbilt. They're not going to be intimidated by the Gamecocks coming in because uh, they probably felt like they, they let it get away last year. Um, 
and, and so and last year's Vandy team was atrocious uh, compared to, to to this group. Um, so they're improved. I think Carolina has too athletically and uh, in the other two phases. So um, hopefully it doesn't come down to a uh, the game cost being down six and having to go seventy five yards because that I, I tell you the chances of that happening two years in a row slim to none. Yeah, maybe if it does, we'll see if uh, if Zeb can throw the pads and the helmet back on. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll have to call for him. J.C. Sherbert inside the Gamecocks of the Big Spur. J.C., always a pleasure, my man. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, looking forward to kickoff tomorrow night. Hey, great to be with you guys, Chris, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, Bo. Yes, sir. We'll do it again next week. Appreciate it. J.C. Sherbert, appreciate him. And, guys, we've hit 2 o'clock. Thank you all so much for the continued love and support this week. I see y'all are all getting along great in the comments. We're going to get out of here. Again, thank y'all so much. Tune in the podcast that dropped this morning. And come on out to Carolina Alehouse off Woodruff Road in Greenville. Cannot wait to see y'all out there. Guys, I'll leave you with this. Go Cox, beat Vandy, and we will talk to you all on Monday. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.